The NBA is back! Finally! After four months off, the league we all love so much is ready to restart in Orlando this week. Couldn't be more excited to be talking about actual basketball on this podcast. Also very excited to let y'all know that The Athletic is now offering 40% off an annual subscription if you go to theathletic.com slash no dunks. Great way to support The Athletic. Great way to support no dunks because you're going to be getting exclusive in-depth coverage of the NBA's unprecedented bubble restart. Not only that, you're getting coverage about the WNBA restart. You're getting coverage about baseball's 60-game season It's unprecedented times. These are unprecedented seasons. And this is an unprecedented deal because you're getting all that writing. You're getting all that coverage. And you're also able to listen to every single podcast on the Athletic Podcast Network totally ad-free. What an incredible deal. Go to theathletic.com slash no dunks so you can subscribe now and save 40% off an annual subscription. Sports are back. You don't want to miss breaking stories from your favorite teams and your favorite writers. So go to theathletic.com slash no dunks for 40% off an annual subscription. Welcome to Pop and Packs, a segment where I open an old pack of NBA basketball cards with a star player from the 90s. Today's guest, it's three-time champ and one-time all-star, BJ Armstrong. We talk about the time he talked trash to Michael Jordan, his friendship with San Antonio Spurs forward Sean Elliott, and why BJ, not Tim Duncan, should be known as the king of the bank shop. BJ's connecting, it's connecting, and there he is, (laughs) BJ Armstrong. Hey, all right. How, how's everyone? Very good. I have to say, you know, this is the first time I've connected with someone on the first try in about four weeks. So this is uh, a, off to a great start. Well, you know what? Thanks for having me on. Uh, I was really afraid I wasn't going to be able to figure this out, but uh, somehow we got it and uh, I'm here. So uh, great to be here. <laughs> yeah, well, it's great to have you on here, man. Uh, first off, before we get into it, the season is back today. Uh, did you ever think we were going to get to this point considering everything that's happened this season? Well, you know, two, tw- you know, 2020 has been a year of uncertainty. So I just kind of go day by day and didn't know what to expect. The fact that the NBA was able to pull this off in the fashion and the amount of detail and thoughtfulness that went into such a task has been amazing in and of itself. So, you know, they just announced, I think it was a couple of days ago or yesterday, that there have been no cases reported since they yep, entered yep. into the bubble which has been phenomenal. Um, I think we'll continue to just kind of hold our breath here and kind of just see what today brings. But certainly the fact that they were able to get to this point has been nothing short of remarkable. So you have to applaud all of the people, you know, in front of the camera and behind the camera that went in to pull this off. And, of course, the players who are actually out there playing and uh, making do of what they can make to make this all happen. And have you got a prediction? Who's going to win this thing? Is it going to be, you know, the Lakers, Clippers, Bucks, or is it going to be a surprise team, you think? Well, you know, I, I've said uh, since this work stoppage began there in March that uh, this is a very unusual situation. It's very bizarre in many cases. You know, we've never seen anything like this in the NBA. You know, and before everything stopped, you know, you had to say the Clippers and the Lakers and Milwaukee. And now that it started back again, I don't know what to think. So I'm just going to pick the field. 
and say, I know one of those 22 teams, <laughs> one of them is going to win it. <laughs> now, how it's going to look, how the games are going to be played, I have no idea. I mean, really, I don't know what to expect here. I think we're all kind of waiting with anticipation. I know I've spoken to coaches and players, and they're just kind of like feeling their way through it, and um, no one really knows. So, you know, I, I thought the Clippers, before everything stopped, you know, was a team that was favored in my book. But I could see, you know, any team coming through because it reminds me kind of of a tournament. And once yeah. momentum or big mo gets in your locker room, anything is possible. And that's kind of how I'm looking at it. Yeah, great. Well, um, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I think, you know, it's, it's crazy to not pick one of the Lakers, Clippers or Bucks. But at the same time, who knows? Who knows how everyone's going to adapt to the conditions down there and, uh, and perform. And um, I just think, you know, it's going to be fun basketball. It's just fun to have basketball back, really, because uh, it looked like for a while there it wouldn't be back. So, um, as you said off the top there, great job by the NBA and, and everyone getting this uh, up and ready. And, and so far, so good. Hopefully that will continue. Yeah, let's hope so. You know, like I said, uh, I'm just excited about today. I think it would be great, great, great games today with the, the uh, I think, the Utah Jazz. They're, they're, they're playing, uh, I can't remember who they're New Orleans. New, uh, New Orleans, yep. yep. So I think, uh, I think it'll be great. And then, of course, we've got the Clippers and the Lakers right afterwards. So, um, I'm excited. Look like AD is playing, and uh, yep. let's get after it. Okay. Well, before before that, we've got an even bigger uh, moment today. We've got a a 93-94 pack of Topps basketball cards that I'm going to open up here with you. Okay. And so the way this works is, uh, as the cards come out of the pack, I'm going to give you some clues, and hopefully you can guess who the player is, and uh, hopefully you can tell a few stories as well. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's go for it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Starting with, um, okay, this guy was a point guard. I believe he came out of Syracuse. I, uh, I think that's right. He spent most of, well, he started his career with the uh, Miami Heat, went on to the Boston Celtics. Sherman Douglas. There you go, Sherman Douglas. Wow, one for one. <laughs> Sherman, the, the master of the alley-oop pass. I mean, that guy was, uh, he was terrific, great player. Um, you know, when he was playing at Syracuse, he was always throwing that lob to remember to Ronnie Cycli, and he continued oh, yeah. that in the NBA, had a great career and uh, really a crafty kind of feisty guard and uh, loved playing against Sherman. And uh, him and I came into the league, uh, I think at the same time. Yeah. And a really great player. But I remember he could throw alley-oop passes better than anyone and had like this little floater. You know, he had this yeah. funny little floater that he had. Really good player, though. Yeah, he, uh, he, he, had a, he had a good career. He didn't have a good career against Michael Jordan, if I remember correctly. Uh, I think, um, you know, because LeBron and Kemba Walker had that incredible streak where LeBron was 28-0. I think the reason I remember Sherman against Michael, because he held the record, I think he went 0 for 30 against Michael Jordan in uh, <laughs> his career. I mean, wow, you would think at some point he would have picked up a win, you know, even when Jordan came back maybe, but uh, not to be. Even in Boston, because I remember he played at Boston for many years too. Was that same at, at Boston as well, huh? Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He started, um, yeah, he started in Miami, went to Boston, and then... Um, New Jersey. Yeah, New Jersey after that, yeah. Okay, this next guy, uh, he had an interesting career because he had two very, very big moments over the All-Star weekend. Talking of Jordan, this guy was considered a baby Jordan, but his career didn't really pan out. He didn't last all that long. But um, two-time slam dunk winner in the early 90s, I think 93 and 95, I would say. Spent his, spent his, um, spent his career, I think, with the Miami Heat. Came out of USC. Oh, uh, baby Jordan, uh, you left-handed. Know it. Uh, I, I can't say his name, but I, I, I said baby Jordan. <laughs> Harold Miner. 
Harold Miner. Yeah, Harold Miner. Wow, what a talent. Um, very gifted athletically. I mean, he really had some charisma, had a little style the way he would, you know, play with a lot of flash. And, uh, you know, I, I felt bad for him when he first came in the league. They were calling him Baby Jordan. Oh, and yeah. and uh, that's a, that's those are big shoes to fill. But what a, yeah. what a great athlete and uh, could really – very explosive athlete. I, I remember playing against him the first time, and um, he, you know he could really play and score. He reminds me of a player that probably should be playing in today's era because he was a great isolation player. Right, right. He had an unusual shooting style, from what I remember. Yeah, he did. He, he, you know, he would he would really elevate. I remember he would, you know, he would shoot with his, you know, his, he was left-handed, but yeah. he was a strong, little, powerful athlete. You know, yeah. and. Uh, but he came in with such height, you know. Oh, and, yeah. uh, but he could he could really jump on that. He could do yeah. that. Okay, this next guy, very interesting guy, because um, he spent his entire career with one team, except for one season in the middle of his career. Very unusual that that happens. Um, this guy was an all star a couple of times. He hit a big shot on Memorial Day, I think, in. Um, Sean Elliott? Yeah, Sean Elliott. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's Detroit Pistons. Sean Elliott, check that. Sean, one. Yeah, yeah, Sean is. Uh, you know, Sean was, was and still lives to this day one of my best friends. And I'll tell you, yeah. So Sean, uh, we were actually, um, he played for Lute Olson at the University of Arizona. And Lute came from the University of Iowa, where I went to school. And somehow we connected, I think, in the world university games or something. And we just became good friends. Uh, we both have huge interest in cars. Right. And uh, that's how we became friends, and we've all, we always maintained that relationship. And I remember at the draft in 1989 when we got drafted, when he got drafted, I think he went third in the draft that year, if I remember yep. correctly. But he went third or fourth. And I ended up going 18th. And when he got drafted, before he did his interviews, he sat with me in the audience until I got drafted before he went to do his interviews. Wow. And uh, he, he's a great guy, great friend. And, uh, I mean, he's a class act. And, um, you know, I, I always tune in to the Spurs games. He's doing the games now with the Spurs. Yep. Great, great guy, great player. And, uh, you know, we became great friends over the years. Yeah, it's, it's funny, though, for a guy to do that, you know, mid-career. Because he nearly got traded to the Rockets, I believe, too, when, um, when he was in Detroit. And then he just yep. went back to San Antonio. And it was like, oh, okay, back to where we were, you know. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> Absolutely. You know, for example, you... Uh, went back to Chicago, but that was sort of at the at the twilight of your career then. Yes, yeah. You know, so a lot of correct. you know, Scotty Pippen did the same thing. I know, you know, guys kind of tend to go back there, but uh, not sort of in the middle of their career, which is uh, which is kind of unusual. Yeah, that that is unusual. But he played many years there, and uh, I think he played about thirteen, fourteen years or so. Yeah, 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 he, yeah. I can't. Uh, Two thousand three. Did he retire after that? Did he make that championship? I don't think he. Don't think he was on that team. But um, okay, this next guy. Uh, you remember him, he played for two teams. You remember him mainly on his second team, the New York Knicks. Really smooth shooting, shooting guard. Um, he, has a, he had a famous moment. One of his most memorable moments was hitting the game winner of the first round of the playoffs against Miami in 1990. Is that Larry Johnson? No, not Larry Johnson. Oh, he's a guard. He's a... Yeah, shooting guard. He has this runner, this floater in the lane in Miami that sort of bounces off the rim and then drops in and he has oh, a great Houston. celebration. Oh, Alan Houston. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. I, I remember Alan when he started off in Detroit and there was a Hall of Fame guard playing ahead of him, Joe Dumars. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, man, he really could shoot that ball. He could shoot it silky smooth, 
he was a prototypical two guard in this league, and uh, man, he was a tough guard. And and him and and remember him and Grant Hill played together for many years on the wing uh, up there in Detroit, and uh, went on to New York and hit some big shots there. Made it to the finals. They didn't win the championship, but yeah. certainly with Allen and Sprewell and all of those guys, LJ, they they really put together a nice team up there. We were scrappy. And um, they really embody the, the 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 attitude, if you will, of New York City. Yeah, those uh, those playoff series against Miami they had were uh, were so much fun. Those, I mean, that those was were so tough, tough. Right? Yeah, oh, those were tough. Man. And yeah, Pat Riley, you had you know the Knicks, Miami, you had all the yeah. history. And then you can't yeah. forget about the physical play. I mean, you know, Lonzo <laughs> Morning. It, it was Charles Oakley. It was uh, <laughs> it was definitely an era. I'm glad those. Years Years are over with because, uh, you know, it was very physical basketball back then. Oh, yeah. You, I just remember that image of Jeff Van Gundy hanging on to, um, you know, Alonzo <laughs> Mornings. You know, it's like, it's, like, it's like a little kid when his parents are dropping him off at school for the first time. You know, he's like, don't let me go. Don't let me you go. You know, I, I tell you what, you know, a quick story is, um, you know, I didn't really know Coach Van Gundy at that time. I knew he was an assistant for many years when I was, excuse me, when I was in Chicago and he was there as an assistant, but I had so much respect for him as being a little guy. And I was a little guy yeah. myself. And when those guys would come in, you know, you're talking, you know, these 250, 300 pound guys for him to put himself in that position at oh. his size, you know, that's, that's insanity. And, yeah. you know, I, I mean, for him to do that, I, I can only imagine all the guys are saying, you know, He's crazy, but this is a good yeah. crazy. We'll, uh, uh, yeah. You know, that, that, was, that was one of those moments where, you know what, he, he was willing to play his part and put himself out there with the guys. So it was a great um, – those were great times. There was, was a great little rivalry that they had yeah. done. There's a lot of backstories and uh, great times. Because that's the thing that, that you know, Zoe and Larry Johnson, they're throwing punches to try to knock each other out. This is not just like a little push and shove where people get in the middle. They were trying to take each other's head off. Yeah, and you remember they they started their careers off together, yeah. or around the same time there in Charlotte. So um, very competitive, no love lost on yeah. the court, but uh, you know it's good competitive uh, games. And both of those guys were very competitive, very physical players, and uh, you did what you had to do it back then. Yeah. Okay, this next guy, um, another guy, sort of uh, known for being a very good rebounding point guard. Uh, in fact, he was. Uh, he sort of led the league in triple doubles, I think, at one point. And, um, you know, he's only six foot three out of Denver. Played for Denver most of his career anyway. Fat um, Lever? Fat Lever, there you go, yeah. Oh, he's he's on the nuggets over here. Yeah, oh, man. Fat was – God, I remember the first time I played against him, he was, he was a tough guard. I mean, he was in – I remember he was in great condition, first of all. But he was a really, really tough player. Wasn't flashy – but he could really, you know, he was seen always be in the right place at the right time. Yeah. And very, yeah. Uh, very, very smart player, played the game, uh, very cerebral the way he played, and uh, really, really good player. Really, I mean, he was, a, he, was, he was a tough guard for me. I remember I caught him early in my career when he was really putting, putting those triple doubles together. I'm sure one of those had to be – I had to be involved in one of those. He was a really good basketball player. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny, though, you know, you mentioned, like, um, you know, when you look at Russell Westbrook, who averaged a triple-double for three straight seasons there, like, 
he's you know so aggressive. He's going after every rebound. He's running up and down the court. But Fat was a smaller guy. Managed to just get his body in the right place to get those rebounds and kickstart that Denver offense. Um, you know, like quite remarkable, really, when you consider the, the time and the way the game was played uh, at that time, you know, in that era, to, to, uh, for him to be quite so effective at that. Yeah, it, it was because, you know, he wasn't the biggest guy. And, you know, you have to remember back then in that, in that era, you know, the game was played from the inside out with bigs. So for him at his size to be able to come in there, rebound, distribute the basketball, and more importantly, you know, he was, he was scoring, he was rebounding, passing the ball. I mean, what a great accomplishment because the game was back, you know, uh, it was totally different the way, you, you know, you're playing today. But yeah. uh, he was a great little guard and figured it out. Yeah. Okay, this next one, we, we, we just spoke about him, uh, the, the shooting guard who was ahead of Alan Houston in Detroit. Guy won a couple of championships. Oh, Joe You know what? He, you know, whenever I see a picture of him, I think of a pro's pro. When I tell you he was a true professional in every sense of word, he should be, when you know, say, what, is it, what does it mean to be a professional NBA? They should put the picture of Joe Dumars. I mean, he just came out every night, did his job, took on the challenge. He could score off the dribble. He could score off the pass. Phenomenal defensive player, amazing teamwork. And then, of course, what he did on court, you know, the, 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 you know, I think the Sportsmanship Award is named after him, the Joe Dumars yeah. Award. And uh, what a great guy. And uh, I'm just so happy to call him a, a good friend. We've known each other for 30-plus years now. And, wow. um, and not only was he a Hall of Fame player, you know, I, I would also say that he should be a Hall of Famer for what he did as an executive. I think they went to the conference finals five or six years in a row. And uh, what a true professional and a true player. And, um, you know, he great career. And hopefully he'll get in ex as well as an executive. Yeah, well, he won the championship in 04 there with the Pistons. Yes, he, was the, uh, he was the president there. But the one thing about him, which is funny, is, uh, you know, he was on the bad boys team. You know, all those guys, you know, Rick Mahorn, Isaiah Thomas and that. But Joe is such a nice guy. It, it doesn't sort of fit his uh, personality there. We'll be back with more of Poppin' Packs with BJ Armstrong after this. The final 22 teams have made their way down to Orlando and are ready to get back on the court. We're going to have some basketball, baby. While the ending to this year's season will be different than years past, there will be no shortage of excitement. And there's no better place to get in on the action than with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. To celebrate the return of basketball, DraftKings will have not one, but two $1 million top prizes through the first two days of the resumed season, so get in on all the action now. If you haven't tried it yet, fantasy basketball is easy to play. Just pick eight players, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for three-pointers, rebounds, assists, and more. There's no better way to put your basketball knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at $1 million. But if basketball isn't for you, don't worry. DraftKings is offering plenty of fantasy golf action for this week's tournament. With millions of dollars up for grabs, oops, with millions of dollars up for grabs this week, there is no better place to have skin in the game than with DraftKings. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code RUN to get a free shot at millions of dollars up for grabs this week with your first deposit. Not doing it again. That's promo code RUN to get a free shot at millions of dollars with your first deposit. Only at DraftKings. 
Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. In the United States, on average, it takes around 29 days to see a doctor. And guys, when it comes to sex, if you're dealing with erectile dysfunction, you want treatment ASAP. It's the one area of late night intimacy where it's better to be fast. And have I got some good news for you. Our friends at Roman have built a platform that connects you with a licensed doctor in your state or from the comfort of your own home on your schedule. Just log in and complete a free online visit and you'll hear back from a US licensed physician within 24 hours. And guys, if you're on a promise, you know that time is of the essence. We all do. If the doctor decides that treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. And there's more good news. For guys who don't like commitment, then this is perfect because you can cancel at any time. So if it doesn't work out or is not right for you, then you can ghost Roman guilt-free. So if you're struggling with ED, go to GetRoman.com slash NoDunks for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com NoDunks for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. I'm about to ask you guys a very personal question. Do you truly love your current couch, or is it just something to sit on? Now think that over. Do you love it? Would you send a sweet valentine to your couch? Because if not, now's the perfect time to replace that old crusty I don't give a damn about couch with a sofa you will love from Burrow. What is Burrow? Why is Burrow better? Let me tell you why. I literally have a hundred reasons to break it down why Burrow is the best place to get a couch from, but I'm gonna give you three specific ones. One, Burrow offers unique features that you won't find in big box furniture store sofas or even other sofas you can get online. They have built-in USB chargers so your phone doesn't die while you lounge. USB chargers in the sofa. That is brilliant. You look at your phone eh, 90% of the time you're lying on the sofa watching TV. You look at your iPhone more than you look at your TV. I guarantee you. So having that built-in USB charger is nice. You can also customize your sofa to fit your decor and your needs. And, and Burroughs just went next level with the customizable options. You can pick the fabric color, the leg finish, the armrest style, the length. You can add things like a chaise lounge, an ottoman, both. It doesn't matter. There are like 23,000 ways to customize your perfect sofa. And the final one I'll give you for today that I love is Burrow is so practical and versatile. You can assemble your sofa or break it down in minutes and you don't need tools. These things like clasp together. It's so cool. And again, so easy that you can do it by yourself. Guys, go to burrow.com slash no dunks to get $75 off your purchase plus fast and free shipping. You always get fast and free shipping and zero interest financing. So go to the site for details. That's B-U-R-R-O-W dot com slash no dunks for $75 off and just thank me later. Take a photo of your beautiful burrow couch and send it to us at no dunks inc and we'll throw a like on it. I guarantee it. And we are back, are we? Hello, oh, we're back. Oh. All right, we're back. Yeah. <laughs> we're back. <laughs> I don't know what happened there, you know? <laughs> that's another first. That's another first. I've never had someone drop out, but it doesn't matter. We just keep on plowing through anyway. That's what, uh, that's what right. makes it fun here. Um, 
So the last guest we had was Joe Dumas of the Detroit Pistons. Okay, the next one. Yes. Well, I think you're going to get this next card because I believe in your rookie season, you went to the, a, a library of some sort and found uh, uh, research books on geniuses because you wanted to know a little bit more about how this guy may be operated. Oh, is this Jordan? This has got to be Jordan, right? Yeah, one and only. There he is. Michael oh, Jordan. the one, the only, the man, the myth, the legend, you know? <laughs> did, did it oh, well, what more can we say about him? We just saw a 10... We just saw a 10-episode uh, documentary on him, so I don't think there's anything else for us left to say about him. But did you, um, did you find a book about geniuses that helped you in any way learn about him and try to figure out a little bit more about him? Well, the thing is, I, I was just – I was big into reading. I've always been a big reader, and um, I remember my mom had gave me this book, and as I started reading it, it just reminded me of, like, this guy that I was with, you know, like – extreme personalities, extreme things that people have to do or, you know, if you want to achieve a level of greatness. So uh, it just kind of reminded me of him. And uh, I was able to like, it was just like, I don't know why that book came into my life, but I started reading it and I was able to witness. I had no idea at the time he would go on to achieve what he achieved and what we achieved, but certainly it applied to someone who was that driven that motivated to be the very best that he could be. And uh, certainly I was very, I was very lucky to be able to witness that. And uh, when people say, was he really that good? My answer was, yeah. And he was probably better than what they're even <laughs> giving them credit for. Did you learn more than reading about geniuses or the time you talk trash to him and the Bulls after you won that playoff game in, uh, in Chicago there? Well, that was my first time when I was talking trash to him that I was on the other side of that. So I, I caught the wrath, you know. Uh, but you know what? It, it was great. And when you're in that moment, you know, as an athlete, you have to compete. And yeah. uh, that's the one thing that I I loved and I, I, I miss that about sports is being able to compete, to challenge someone. And you win some, you lose some. Yeah. But the thing is that you accept the challenge. So. Um, that's how I grew up. That was the era that I grew up in and I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah. And, uh, as my kids would say, dad, what were you thinking? <laughs> and that's it. I wasn't thinking so, but it made it fun though. And, uh, those are great times, but I got one win in that's for sure. Hey, there was one win. So <laughs> that's more than Sherman Douglas. Anyway, that's all that counts. You know? <laughs> um, but it's, it's funny because, you know, the last dance, I thought it was a great documentary, but so many times Michael just seemed to find anything any you know Le Bradford Smith right. there was that rumor about that you know so you knew about this because you played with him for what five se four or five seasons I guess it was there um so when you're walking off the court after you're talking trash to you is there a sober moment where you're like oh my god what have I done to my team here well no I mean to be honest with you you're thinking I got a shot you know right. I, I got a boxer chance and and that's what it's all about you know that's you know, when you, 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 you talk about it now, you're like, man, what was I really thinking yeah. about? But yeah. when you're in that moment, you're like, you know, it's kind of like, you know, I would imagine when you're in a boxing match, all right, this guy might be better than me, but with the right <laughs> punch, I might knock the guy out. <laughs> so why not go for it, right? <laughs> you know, so that's yeah. what I was thinking. Okay, you, you know what you're up against. You know your plan and you, you know the odds, but you got to play the game. And that's why you play and um, – and those were those were fun times, yeah. fun games, fun, fun moments for all of us. And uh, you never know. Yeah. You know, we love upsets, right? We love the underdog, and 
why not take on the challenge? Yeah. Let me ask you this, because uh, you obviously weren't a part of the 95, 96, 72 and 10 Bulls uh, who went on to win the, you know, the championship in Jordan's like second season. Which team, I think you're in a good position, you're a qualified person to, to answer this. Which team do you think was better then, the 95, 96, 72 and 10 Bulls or the, or the 15, 16, 73 and 9 Warriors? Obviously, the Warriors didn't win the championship. But in terms of teams, you know, regular season teams, who do you think was the better team? Out of all six championships, is that what you said? No, no, no. Just, just that, just the seventy-two and ten Bulls from '96. Um, you know, I, I always, I always say, you know, when you're younger, because you're physically, you're at kind of you're 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 in better what physical yeah. condition, and when you're starting to go into the playoffs and you're moving into that to that depth and you're going deep into the playoffs, you know, it just takes a toll on your body. You know, experience you through a lot of times. But I would say the when the year that Jordan first came back, you know, he was he was magnificent. He really was great. The team that won seventy two games, I thought that was a great team. I think, you know, what they were able to win clearly, you know, that's you know, that speaks for itself. But I would say out of all the teams, I think probably the, the first champion or the, the first run or the first team in the ninety six, I believe, ninety six team was yeah. probably he would be the team where they were probably at their peak with that second yeah. group. So uh, I would say the 96 team was probably the best team. Right, right. Okay. This next guy, um, you, yeah, you, you had a little bit of a rivalry with this team, but um, it was sort of at the, at, as your career began, the rivalry with this team was on its way out. This guy was a small forward. He was acquired um, during their first championship with Detroit. He was a big, uh, big time scorer with the Dallas Mavericks in the 80s. And then he joined the Pistons in the in the eighty eight eighty nine season. He picked up a couple of championships. He, uh, yeah, just uh, he was a with, small forward. Yeah, small forward. Oh, with a, big, a small oh, forward with a big. Mark that's Mark Dwight. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, big hands, Mark. He yeah. would he would come in and uh, you know Mark was uh, he was a tough tough guard for any player and. Um, I remember when he first came, you know, they had Adrian Dantley that was there. And he was a tough guard for us as well with Scotty. And Scotty was a young player back then, just kind of coming into his own. But Mark Aguirre certainly was a, uh, you know, he, he was perhaps their best low post player. Yeah. You know, at his size. You know, he was only about 6'5 or so, but he had big hands. He was strong. And uh, his lower extremities, he was very, <laughs> he was very strong. <laughs> you know, and he utilized he utilized space well. You know, he wasn't like a high flyer, yeah. but he certainly, uh, you know, he, he loved to bump and grind a little bit. And, uh, but he was a big-time scorer. I mean, all-star for many years out there on the yep. West Coast and uh, went there, won a couple of championships in, in Detroit, and certainly he was, a, he was a tough opponent for us and playing when he, when he came to Detroit. And, uh, yeah. No, he was, yeah. he was a really good player. Chicago, he grew up in Chicago, so he had that Chicago toughness with him. Yeah, well, so what was it like in Chicago when you have Isaiah, who's from Chicago, and Mark Aguirre's from Chicago, but they're the enemy when they're playing you guys? What's it like, the atmosphere there? Yeah, well, you know, the, the funny thing is not, I don't know how many people know, but I'm from Detroit. So oh, right. I grew up, in, yeah, I grew up in Detroit. So, you know, you had Isaiah, Mark Aguirre, and those guys were from Chicago, and then I was from Detroit, so... You know what? Once you step onto the court, you know you kind of forget all of that. And yeah. uh, well, what I do remember is that my family, 
they were rooting for me to do well, but they were always Detroit Pistons fans, right? <laughs> That's one of the things growing up in Detroit. You are a Detroiter through and through. So, right. um, you know, I mean, you look, I mean, to this, I, got on, I, got, I got on my Tigers hat right here right now. So, you know, I, those, were, those were fun times, very yeah. competitive. Okay, awesome. Okay, well, this next guy, you had a, uh, you guys had a pretty crazy series in 93 against this guy. He had a pretty good series for the opponent. He hit some big shots. I think he hit the big, I think he hit the game sealer in game three in Chicago, um, if I remember. He hit a lot of threes. He was a big time, uh, he, he was an all-star a couple of times. Uh, shooting guard for the Phoenix Suns. Shooting guard slash... Dan Marley. Dan Marley, Thunder. There he is. Yeah. So Dan and I grew up together in Michigan. Wow. So, uh, yeah, so Dan is from uh, way up north in, in Michigan. Uh, so I, I was well aware of Thunder Dan back in high school. Yeah. And went to Central – I think he went to Central Michigan, I believe. Central Michigan University. That's I think right. that's where he went to school. That's yeah, right. so Dan I, – I, I remember Dan in high school, always a tough player, and uh, went on to – to really carve out a career for himself as a defensive player. He was always a big-time scorer in, in high school and in college, and really, you know, besides becoming a good offensive player, he's always a good offensive player, became a really good defensive player. So, yeah, I remember Thunder Dan and uh, played against him uh, in the finals one year when he was with Phoenix Bulls, and, and those were some good matchups. Yeah, so, um, you know, the 93 season for you, you know, was a little bit different because you that was the first year you started over John Paxson. So, right. you know, I know that this is probably like asking which one of your kids is your favorite, but does the 93 championship mean a little bit more to you because you played a bigger role and you had a bigger responsibility than you did in 91 and 92? Well, to be honest with you, uh, on a personal level and looking back on it, I, I could see that. But nothing will ever top that first one. Right. And the very first one was there. It was an unknown, uncharted territory for all of us. And I remember none of us knew what to feel. None of us knew how to act. None of us knew what to do. We were just all young and just happy to be there. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so that first one was so fun because, you know, it was a first. You know, we didn't care where the game was going to be played. Yeah. We just knew we had a game. And we were going to be ready to play. So yeah. uh, that very first one was the one that I will always cherish right. more than any championship. You know, I, I was fortunate to win three. Yeah. And uh, But that first one, it, it was special because we were all so – we didn't even know how to celebrate. We yeah. didn't know what to do. Like, <laughs> we were just, like, sit, looking at each other. But it, those were great times. I remember – I think it's in that Sam, Sma Sam Smith book, The Jordan Rules, as well, that after game one – you know, there was obviously you know, a few guys a little bit nervous. Sam Perkins hit that big three uh, to, to, to seal the game. But Michael was apparently like, guys, we're going to win this. Don't worry. And, uh, you know, again, he hadn't won a championship at that point, but he still had that level of confidence where he's like, you know, almost get this one out of the way. And now he just went and steamrolled the rest of them. I know the Lakers had some injuries as well, but really the Bulls after that game, I mean, I think game three went to overtime, if I remember, in L.A. Um, but Jordan said... Yeah, one of them, yeah. Yeah. But Jordan seemed to – did that confidence – did you feel that confidence from Michael where he's like, don't worry, guys, we, we've got this? Well, you know, um, I think Michael was confident, but we were a confident group. Right. And, um, you know, when you have a player like Michael and then, you know, Scotty, 
you know, it gives it gives you the confidence because we knew that we, we could come out there and do what we had to do, you know, as a team, right? It kind of gave us, you know, no matter what was going on, we knew we were going to have a player that could score. Yeah. <laughs> we knew we were going to have a player that could defend multiple positions. Yeah. And now it was just a matter of the role players figuring out, you know, where the shots were going to come from and having the confidence to go out there and execute. So Michael was a very confident player, but we also knew we had a player that could slow Magic Johnson down a little bit. Yeah. And that was really our confidence, you know. Yeah. The big thing for us in that series was really Scottie Pippen being able to really just concentrate and slow Magic down. You're not going to stop him, but we had a player that could slow him down just enough to allow us an opportunity to set our defense up. Yeah. And um, with that, and of course, Michael being relentless as an offensive <laughs> player and a defensive player in his own right, yeah. we felt good about our chances even though we had lost game one, we felt that we could do some things better, kind of get over our nervous, our jitters that we yeah. had in, in the finals for our very first time. And then uh, we went on to win four, you know, four straight. Yeah. And uh, back then it was played 2-3-2. Two, two. So we yeah. won all three games there in L.A. and uh, eventually, uh, you know, won our first championship. Is it, uh, is it true that um, your first trip to the uh, White House afterwards, uh, you banked in 21, 21 straight shots in front of uh, George Bush while, whilst wearing suspenders? Is that right? Yeah, something like that. You know, <laughs> believe it or not, uh, you know, I, 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 was, uh, I, I felt pressure. You know, that's probably the most pressure I've ever felt in my career, right? I'm, I'm, I'm shooting in the White House, cameras are rolling, and I figure, you know, you know, back then I didn't have kids, but I better, like, try to hold up my reputation, yeah. you know? You don't want to yeah. go there too bad. So uh, I made a few shots back then, and uh, luckily uh, they caught it on camera, so it's, it's there, and we, you know, we can verify. They called Tim Duncan the king of the banker, but I think uh, you were ahead of your game there, weren't you, really? I mean, yeah, I was ahead of it, you know? I was, I was ahead of that. I think Tim Duncan stole it, you know? But what is Tim Duncan doing? But, no, I, I get a few shots back then. I, I, I was watching that just the other day, and I thought, man, this guy's got suspenders on as well. Like, you don't see that too many times uh, when guys... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guys. How about that? Suspenders. You don't see the suspenders now. You know, it's all, <laughs> so everything's all tailored, skinny jeans. You know, back then we had suspenders on. Yeah. So those were good, and uh, that was my first visit to the White House, so a very yeah. memorable moment. At first, I thought maybe that was like you were paying off one of those silly fines, you know, as, as the rookies yeah. and the younger guys got, like... You know, because I know that they would often, uh, you know, like like in every sport, you try to you try to get the younger guys. Uh, they get it's easy to sort of trick them a little bit. And I thought maybe it was like, all right, you have to wear uh, suspenders to the White House. But hey, you made them, you rocked them, you made them look cool. I, I made it. They threw me out there. They didn't know what to expect, but luckily, uh, at least the the camera angle made it look like I made those passes. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> Selective editing, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This next guy was the uh, was your starting backcourt partner in the '94 All Star game. A lefty out of uh, out of uh, where did he come out? Oh, Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech lefty. Oh, Kenny Anderson. There you go, Jibs, Mr. Jibs. Oh man, man, woo! He was, you know, he's one of New York's finest. You know, he was. Uh, he could really, he could, as we say, he could pat that thing a little bit. He could. He could really get out. He could score, could pass. He was uh, he was a tough guard. You know, he was really quick, and uh, he was left-handed. So it made it really um, – he was tough to he was tough to play against. So, you know, he had some great years up there in New Jersey, him and Derek Coleman. Yeah. Just remember those guys uh, from Syracuse. Actually, he's a Detroiter as well. But uh, uh, Kenny Anderson, man, he's tough. I think he's coaching now. I, I can't remember where. I think some school in, in Atlanta – 
But he's I, coaching, and uh, I you know, he in, was a really great player. I think it's in Nashville. I think it's Fisk University. I think. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's coaching somewhere, but. I Whoops. We still there? Yeah, oh. I'm still here. Yeah. I'm here. I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. <laughs> All right. Well, it's good. We've only got a couple to go here, so uh, so this should be good. And and funny, you just mentioned this guy. I think he also started in the '94 All Star Game. Uh, Kenny Anderson's teammate from the New Jersey Nets, a big guy out of Detroit. He went on to play with you. Derek. Yeah. Did you guys play together in Charlotte? Um, for... we, played, we played together in Charlotte, and uh, and we grew up together. I'm a little older than Derek, about three or four years older than Derek. And um, quick story about Derek. I remember when I can re I can still remember when I first saw Derek uh, at high school. We were playing, and I had came home from college. And uh, we were playing at this gym in uh, in Detroit, and one of, if probably not the best player at the time in the city of Detroit, was the late Roy Tarp. Oh right? yeah. Played for the University of Michigan. Played for Dallas. I think he was Sixth Man of the Year for Dallas, and he was a uh, big time scorer. And uh, you know, he was just he was he was very skilled, six ten, six eleven or so. And uh, there was this young kid, young skinny kid from Detroit who came in and was just playing out of his mind. And everyone was like, who is this kid? And they was like, oh, that's D.C. <laughs> and, and he was like, like a freshman in high school, and he held his own. Yeah. And uh, Derek was an incredibly gifted player. He was very talented. I mean, he was shooting threes, and he could, he could put it on the floor. He could pass. He had big hands, had a post game. Um, had a little nastiness to him down there in the post, and uh, amazing player. And one of the best, and he's he's one of the you know, one of the best people that I've met in this business. And we're still friends to this day. He's still living up there in Detroit. And uh, what a great, great talent. You know, I, I always say him and Rasheed Wallace were two of the most talented players I've seen. Right. Uh, playing in the game, and back then that, at that power four position, right, you had guys like. Carl Malone, yeah. you had, you know, uh, Charles Barkley, yeah. you know, you Chris Webber, yeah. you mean Tim Duncan. I mean, you just had – that power four position was a really a big-time position, but this Derek Coleman was as good as any of those guys, yeah. if not better as far as talent, and he was a big-time player. I think uh, I think he's – I think if this is true, Shaq says that Derek Coleman's one of only two guys who ever dunked on him. I remember I think it was Shaq in his rookie season – Oh man, he Derek. Was, yeah, I, Derek was no. He Derek was Derek was a Hall of Fame talent. Yeah, he was a Hall of Fame talent. He was he was big time. I remember he was shooting threes back in the nineties. <laughs> he was yeah. He was doing that. You know, he was doing that before we knew what a stretch four was. He right. was he was big time. Yeah, um, and he also a bit like Mark Aguirre. He had a little bit more of a caboose as well that he could uh, move yeah. a few guys out the way. <laughs> you know, when I first met when I first met. DC, when I tell you he was thin, he was thin. Really? <laughs> oh man, he was he was thin and he was very athletic, very athletic, and uh, you know he was he was big time, big time, big time. He was one of the best. He but perhaps may be the best talent to come out of the city of Detroit. Wow, That's, wow. I, I hold him in that regard. Yeah, I mean, well, he's he, a big time. Yeah, player. he was the number one pick, and he and I mean he averaged basically twenty and ten as soon as he entered the league. Oh, hey, he do that in his sleep. Yeah, he, he do that. He do that in his sleep, and uh, just very, very special player. 
Okay, we're up to the last one here, and uh, it's a good one because I'm pretty sure you would have battled directly against this guy, especially when he was with the New York Knicks. He was their point guard. Uh, not necessarily their starting point guard, but he was a left-hander. He was a bit of a shooter. He ended up playing for the Bulls later in his career, played for the Vancouver Grizzlies as Greg well. Greg Anthony. Greg Anthony out of Greg UNLV. Greg Anthony, yeah. Greg, number 50. You know, there he is, Greg. Yeah, he, uh, you know, Greg, I, I just remember when I, Greg, uh, when he first started, I re, somehow we ran across each other when he was at the University of Portland, I want to say. That's where he started. Before right. he transferred to he uh, went to UNLV. UNLV. Yeah. They went to UNLV, and, uh, yeah, he was a tough, tough little player. You know, I, I mean, Greg was a very tough. Always had great battles with uh, Greg, and, uh, you know, his son will be a lottery pick this yeah. year. You know, Cole Anthony, and, you know, he does a terrific job on television. He really does a job. I think he does for CBS. I know he does a lot of things for college basketball, and he works for NBA TV. Yep. Does a really nice job, but uh, – you know, great player, tough player, played very physical for his size, and uh, never, you know, Greg was always one of those guys that was always in the skirmish, you know? It was always right. in the skirmish. Yeah. And whenever there was something, we'd break out. And when it was in New York and Chicago, because we would always do something, we would always grab each other and say, we got to make it look good for the film. <laughs> so, you know, us two little guys, we would always grab each other. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Because, yeah, you know yeah, what? Yeah. I didn't want to grab those big guys. He didn't want to grab those big guys. And we'd make sure we look for each other. Where's my guy? Greg oh, and yeah. TJ. And then we made it look good for the film. But a great guy, done a marvelous job um, there with television and uh, in his second career. That's uh, but that, again, like you know, you must have had some some really tough battles against those guys. But you know, once once your career ends, everyone just sort of has a few beers and laughs about it and uh, and talks about how much fun it was. Because you know, I remember you know, Knicks and the Bulls. Like every time they played, it seemed like someone was getting into it with someone. You know, in those nights, oh, you know, you don't. Well, really that was part of the game. Yeah. You don't yeah, see so yeah, much yeah. of that anymore. It, it feels like, um, you know, like then it was just like every time someone like Xavier McDaniel, when he joined the Knicks, you know, he was getting into it. Uh, of course, is the big one, the Jojo English and uh, Derek Harper one. Uh, of, of, you know, I don't right. remember what year that was. But, you know, there was always that uh, tension and rivalry that it was almost like part of the game was uh, there was going to be some sort of uh, dust up. It was always something and you expected it. You know, the, the thing is, and I look back at all those games and, that time, you know, it was just, that's how we played. You know, I didn't know any different. I never thought twice about it. You know, when you drove to the basket, you knew Charles Oakley was going to be there to <laughs> preach. <laughs> right? <laughs> and, 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 you know, it was like, you know, you got hit, but you didn't want to show any pain, right? Yeah. You, you go to the basket, and you just knew those guys were just going to clobber you, right? You know, you just knew it. But that was, that was how the game was played, and yeah. every team played that way. And especially and when you're trying to win a championship, you know, that was the mentality of how you played. And yeah. uh, it wasn't personal. It was just – it was just – that was the game. And yeah. Uh, yeah. I look back on those times and I go, I don't know how I survived it. I was probably a 175-pound <laughs> soaking wet at the time. And uh, – but somehow I got through it, you know. And, yeah. and whenever there was a fight, though, I, I was looking for Greg and Greg was looking for me. Yeah, we yeah, always yeah. made sure yeah. we took care of each other. Because yeah. we were about to the, – the, the two smallest guys on the team. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, those, some of those guys, you know, the late Anthony Mason and Xavier yeah. McDaniel. Yeah. I mean, those, those guys are just, they're, they're just huge. And uh, they were looking to just knock off guys like me, you know, just because they could. Yeah, I mean. But I guess, uh, those are great times, great games, and yeah. uh, very competitive. When I see the guys, we have a lot of laughs. And, uh, 
But it was a very physical games for sure. I guess, I guess you know, going up against Greg Anthony's almost like wrestling with your brother or something like that. You're like, you know, you're gonna, you know, you're not gonna hurt each other too much. It's more just a like, all right, let's just do this for show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, those were very competitive, and uh, you know, Pat Riley and Phil Jackson and just uh, New York, Chicago. So, well, they that, were that was rivals, a great moment. They were rivals themselves, weren't they, Pat and uh, and Phil Jackson? Because they were teammates back in the yeah, day. Yeah, I mean, um, you're talking about. You're talking about Hall of Fame coaches, right? So you're talking about the chess match that was going on between Pat and Phil and, yeah. you know, the adjustments that was made. You had Patrick Ewing and, you know, Bill Cartwright and Scotty and Michael. And, you know, we just had a – it was just – those those were really very special moments because, yeah, you didn't like those guys and those guys didn't like you. But make it – make no doubt about it, there was a mutual respect yeah. that we have for one another. Yeah. And uh, whenever we're all together, there's a lot of trash talking for sure, but it's all out of respect and love. And yes. uh, it's a lot of love for those teams and what they were able to accomplish. And uh, we were very fortunate to, you know, win, um, you know, when we came out of those series. But make no doubt about it, those are very special teams up there in New York. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, people always talk, you know, like if you think of the 90s, like Charles and Reggie Miller and Patrick Ewing, a couple of guys, you know, could have won a championship or two, but but uh, Michael sort of got in the way. But uh, it doesn't take away from just how special all those players were and how great they were. Um, but it was just <laughs> Michael always seemed to get the last laugh in, which uh, <laughs> is incredible. It's incredible. But, uh, again, it doesn't take away from uh, how good those guys were. But, but BJ, this has been great. Uh, so much fun having you on. Uh, thanks a lot. Um, this is, yeah, I love, I love going down memory lane and uh, hearing about the, the stories about the Absolutely. players. Absolutely. What shirt are you wearing there? I see it looks like a Bulls jersey there. What do you got on there? It is a Bulls oh, jersey. Oh, wow. Oh, 23. There yeah. you go. All right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I've got, a, I've got another one here too. Uh, that you, you know, you probably recognize the colors of that one as well there for you. So uh, I tried. Oh, to, yeah, Charlotte. Uh, there you go. Yeah. I tried, I tried, I tried to get a BJ Armstrong uh, shirt just before we did this, but unfortunately I couldn't track oh, one down. Oh, man, so. you, you got to You got to go to my good friends over there at Mitchell and Nets. You know, those are the guys. They'll take you. You got to go get the Mitchell and Nets there and, uh, We'll get you a BJ Armstrong yeah. jersey. Yeah, yeah. Hey, we'll, so we'll you B- when you went back to Chicago, though, you weren't number 10, is that right? Did you wear number 11? No, I wore number 11 because they retired. Bob Love had right. they retired uh, pretend the jersey right. that was there. So uh, I'm trying to get them to retire uh, a campaign. <laughs> All right? So I'm not going to do it, but maybe my good friends would do it. <laughs> yeah. Start a campaign to retire the number twice. You know, I want to retire the number twice, you know? <laughs> Why not? Why not? But uh, thanks again, BJ. This has honestly been so much fun. Uh, all the best for, uh, you know, the rest of, uh, well, whatever we, whatever we have this season. And uh, keep going with Pushing Through the Pod. I know it's a, it's a great podcast you've started yeah, there with Tate. Uh, I've seen you've had some great guests on there too. And uh, this has thank been you. a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. And we definitely got to get you on. I appreciate it. And uh, hopefully you have me back. We'll have some more fun. Oh. And uh, appreciate it. Thank you. This was a lot of fun. Anytime, BJ. Thanks, man. <laughs>